0: Check, check, one, two, check.
1: Mike's on. From the world of education to you, my name is Dr. A. Our show is all about finding your voice by connecting our community through collaboration. Welcome back to another edition of Mike's On. This is episode 72, and we are actually going to take another turn at um, checking in on our student voices. So let's take a listen to what they had to say.
2: I've got something to say. No, I've got something to say. But
3: I've got something better to say. We all
4: have something to say.
3: Welcome to SMS SMS Voices.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the SMS Voices podcast. My name is Mr. Mahan. Today, I am joined by Kyle Hancock, who will be leading our sports segments moving forward.
2: Uh, Yes, Mr. Mahan. Uh, Today, I'll be talking about the Super Bowl. In 2022, the Bengals and Rams, and talking about NHL pretenders and contenders.
1: All right, Kyle, so what was the first question you had for us today?
2: Uh, the first question today will be for the Super Bowl, and I just want your opinion on who do you think will win, the Rams or the
5: Bengals?
1: Well, if I'm basing it purely on football, I may, as much as it pains me, have to say the Rams may have the slight advantage as a whole team – Uh, especially with that defense after acquiring Von Miller. That pass rush and the Bengals offensive line does concern me. Um, However, having watched a lot of bad football in St. Louis for a long time and seeing the Rams move to L.A., it can't be my rooting interest. I am a Chiefs fan, so it was hard to watch that Bengals game, but I think I'll have to be rooting for the Bengals.
2: Sam, I'm going to be rooting for the Bengals too, since they did beat the Chiefs, and I feel like since the Rams did move away from St. Louis, they should deserve to get beat in the Super Bowl two times in the past three years.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of you know, uh, I think controversy surrounding that within St. Louis, but I you know the LA fan base that they've been supporting the Rams for a long time. I know that they're hoping for that win, but you know. From from a St. Louis perspective, and as a Chiefs fan, you know you always kind of I feel like have to root for the team that beats you.
2: Yeah, I can agree with that. So yeah, um, my next question would be on the better wide receivers going into this. On who would be the better route runners and who will get the more touchdowns. So the first people is Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup.
1: All right. Well, I I think that's a great question. I mean, obviously we have two, you know, prolific receivers this year. The Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase connection is, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about maybe one of the best quarterback wide receiver tandems in the NFL. It's, It's hard to go against them. But Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, when you you see them play and you see just that instant connection, he's always looking for Cooper Cup, and somehow he's always open. So I think that within the context of the question, I'm going to go Cooper Cup as the best route runner, but maybe Jamar Chase as having the most touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I can agree with that also, but I feel like Jamar Chase, he can get open, but the Rams defense can keep a hold of him on that outside line.
1: Yeah, I think the, the most interesting thing to to watch there is you have Ramsey, who's yeah. already come out and said that he wants to cover Chase one-on-one. So on the one hand, you know, you've got that dynamic one-on-one matchup with a top-tier cornerback and a top-tier wide receiver, and I just don't feel like the Bengals on their side can match that cor- you know, cornerback wide receiver uh, one-on-one matchup as well. So that's why I give that slight edge to Cooper Cup.
2: Yes, because the Bengals defense, they don't really have like, they have defense, but only like a couple people that can maybe stop Cooper Cup, but the Rams defense can for sure um, lock up Jamar Chase.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about name value, I mean, you have Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, when you're looking at that Rams defense, there's names that you know and whereas the Bengals yeah I mean it's it's been a quality unit in the playoffs but I don't think there's as much name recognition and that the pass rush just isn't as dynamic as the Rams is at least right now
2: yes and that will be right all for right now on the Super Bowl for the 2022 Rams versus Bengals so now we're going to start on the NHL contenders versus pretenders so I'm going to ask Mr. Mahan, I'm going to give him a team from the NHL, and he's going to say contenders are pretenders, and we're going to give our reasons why. So first up, we have the Boston Bruins.
1: You know, with the Boston Bruins, I think that it's hard to say pretender just because they do have, you know, Marshawn, Hall. I feel like they have that ability to have the firepower to contend. And they are a team that, you know, really has made the playoffs quite a bit as of late. You know, the St. Louis Blues fan side of me wants to say, hey, you know, these guys are pretenders and, uh, you know, they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. But I think there's definitely a chance for them to not only make it, but make a little bit of noise this year.
2: Yeah, as a Blues fan, I can agree with that since we did beat them in the playoffs to go to the Stanley Cup and win that that year. And... And for the Bruins also, they also have Pasternak and Bergeron to help them out. But since they lost Toy Krug, after they lost, now the Toy Krug is on the Blues. The Blues have been doing really well, but the Bruins are mainly who we're focusing on. The Bruins are contenders on how they've been playing this whole season and throughout seasons.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think right now, if, if you take a look at it, they're sitting at 55 points. Now they're a little bit back in the Atlantic Division, but you know you're also looking at three of the top teams in the league. So anytime that you're behind, you know names like the Panthers, Lightning, and Maple Leafs, which the Panthers aren't, you know a team that we traditionally see up at the top of that division, uh, but they've been playing amazing this year. A, a lot of quality players. I really think that the Bruins could, could surprise some people if they're able to, you know, make it into the playoffs and, you know, get that first game under the belt.
2: Yes, I can agree with that. And so for our next team, we have the Maple Leafs.
1: Uh, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a tricky question, right? Because I, I think we've been all, as sports fans and NHL fans, been waiting for the Maple Leafs to get into the playoffs and make some noise for years. You've got Austin Matthews, Nylander. Uh, I mean, these are guys that you're, you're hoping are going to really, at some point, you know, just take a series over. But when you have so much invested in your offensive firepower, it's sometimes hard to invest on in the defense and the goalie.
2: Yes, just with them in the middle of the Atlantic Division trailing the Lightning by a couple points, it can it's a bit of a tough question on what they will be doing since they also have the Bruins that are catching up to them and the Red Wings who are doing pretty good right now. But I think the Maple Leafs are pretenders, even though they do have a bit of some good players. I just don't think they have like the right momentum to move into the uh, playoffs.
1: Yeah, I have to go contender just based off the the star players that they have this year. And I think that this is an opportunity for them to really get rolling as maybe one of those mid-seeds. But, again, it's one of those things where we we kind of expect that every year, and then it's not making too much noise in the playoffs. All
2: right. So after we just talked about the Maple Leafs, we're going to move into another team, the St. Louis Blues.
1: Oh, now we're talking about a, a team near and dear to my heart here. Yes. And, you know, I have to go contender. I mean, anyone who's watched the Blues this year knows that we have one of the deepest forward groupings that maybe I've ever seen as a hockey fan. And I've been a hockey fan for a long time. I saw a lot of great teams in the 90s. Um, but really top to bottom, this Blues lineup from David Perron, O'Reilly, Shen, Tarasenko, uh, Jordan Cairo, a lot of people on the national stage just got a chance to see him since he won the fastest skater contest, being a, beating out Connor McDavid. You know, this forward group can really just, I mean, we can get we score a lot of goals very quickly. Um, but I think that the question really is the defense, right? I mean, that's what everyone's talking about in St. Louis.
2: Yes, I can also agree on the Jordan Kyrou since he did beat out one of the fastest skaters in the NHL right now. And what they are looking at right now is again some like the three of really good teams: Avalanche, Predators, and Wild. If they can start to gain up, work on their defense, getting those injuries back into play, they have a shot on winning. And I'm gonna have to say contenders.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you there.
2: Uh, And for our our second-to-last team, we have the Kraken, the newest team to the NHL franchise.
1: I mean, with the Kraken, I think that we all were expecting maybe a little bit more going into the expansion draft, especially after we saw the Golden Knights, right? Mm -hmm. Golden Knights came in. They're at the top of the Pacific Division again. I mean, just filled with great players, Those of us here in St. Louis know how great of a defenseman Alex Petrangelo is. Adding Jack Eichel this year has been fantastic. Unfortunately, the Kraken just didn't have the same luck teams, you know, caught on to what the Knights were doing and this time made sure that they operated differently. And right now the Kraken are sitting at the bottom of the Pacific Division. And I I just really don't see them having the uh offensive prowess uh nor the defensive fortitude to really make a push or a run this year but i that being said i do think that anytime you have a team with a lot of cap space in a league where a lot of teams are against the cap and that cap is not going up because of the pandemic i think there's a chance next year that you know they take advantage of that in free agency
2: Yes, and adding on to that, um, I think they are pretenders for sure because they are in last place, have a lot of teams like, to overcome. They're down by like about 16 points from the Canucks, and I don't know if they'll be able to come back from that, or if they're going to stay sitting at the bottom of the charts, but with them also picking up some good players, they may not be able to like to get that chemistry down until like the couple of years next, so then they can be very good team and like consistent. And then for the last team, it is the Wild.
1: Oh, the Minnesota Wild. I mean, another team in the Central. Uh, I mean, any watching the Wild right now. It's, you know, my heart wants to say pretender, but I think you have to say contender. Uh, You know, they have Krill the Thrill. I mean, he's come into the NHL, looked amazing, great shot, really changed the mentality of that team. I think that, you know, they're playing now how everyone kind of expected them to play with, you know, the likes of Parise and Sutter there. Um but I definitely, as much as it pains me, I have to say contender,
2: yes, but with I say contender also since how they've been playing like throughout like the last last year, they were playing amazing, and then this year they are getting very better, getting some all stars on their team, like krill Crasolve and with some other good players. Um, they also are. They're in third place in the central division, over, like over the Blues and the Pre- and the Predators and Avalanche are overtaking them right now, only down by one by the Predators. So I think contenders.
1: Yeah, and with that central division right now too, I mean you're looking at one of the most competitive divisions in hockey, and I think that any of the teams from the central that make it into the playoffs are definitely a contender for the cup.
2: Yes, and that is the end of the NHL Contenders and Pretenders segment.
5: We're Taryn, Adeline, Renita, Lindsay, and Jada. Today, we'll be talking about Black History Month and how it is essential to recognize the many, many achievements of the black community.
0: To dive deeper, I feel as if it is important to talk about how we feel about Black History Month. But one thing's for certain... I think that Black History Month should certainly not only be celebrated in February, but all throughout the year.
4: There are many people who shape the importance of Black history. A junior scholastic article reads that a man by the name of Aaron Douglas was the most influential artist in Harlem. He used shapes inspired by African and modern art to create original and culturally inspired pieces. The article depicts the Aaron Douglas' mural,
5: Song of the Towers. One of the Douglas' One of Douglass' art pieces he created symbolized the lifestyle of black people in America. Many towers stood tall like looming mountains, shaded dark, symbolizing unwelcoming feelings. Two of the tallest towers are close together, with an image of the distant Statue of Liberty between them. A man stands with a saxophone raised in his hand with light shining from it. Another person trails behind him as ghastly green hands grab at them. These, the men in the picture, seem to be working in dangerous conditions.
6: The people in the picture represent African Americans working in the difficult conditions. They're crouched on the railroad, reaching towards the towers, and the light around the man with the saxophone symbolizes the importance of music throughout black history, spreading joy and inspiration. The Statue of Liberty is far from the men's reach and represents freedom and can be taken in as the American Dream, which was out of the picture for black people at the time. One person
0: we need to talk about, whether they are from the Harlem Legends or not, is Martin Luther King Jr. He was an important person who spoke for Black rights in the 1960s. He wrote many speeches and movements and was a minister and a leader for the Civil Rights Movement. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote many successful poems and speeches and spoke all over the world. His most famous speech was, I Have a Dream. He was the inspiration for many Civil Rights activists, achieving a lot of progress for this movement.
6: Martin Luther King Jr. led many coalitions of numerous civil rights groups. He didn't want any violence to get involved or for these to stay peaceful protests. One popular quote of his, you may have heard, is, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. What does this quote mean to you guys? Because for me, I think that it means that Martin Luther King Jr. decided to spread this civil rights movement through peacefulness and with respect for everyone instead of spreading hate throughout the world.
0: Yeah, I think that really makes sense because in this world today, we have all this hate and burden and just very heavy, unwelcoming, dark feelings, and I think we could all learn to appreciate each other, um, even if we don't look alike.
5: So back when Martin Luther King was having his movements and speeches, there was already too much hate for people of African-American ethnicity and basically if he had countered that with more hate it would have went a a wrong turn. So I think that's the meaning of his quote.
3: Another important figure in black history is Zora Neale Hurston. She went went to New York City from Florida to study anthropology in 1925. Hurston wrote stories about her life in the South. Mills and Men was her story, which was the first African-American folktale published by a black author. Zora wrote many essays, books, and tales. She wrote many novels including Their Eyes Were Watching God, which was, and still is, said to be her greatest piece. It described a woman's struggle to find love and to keep her freedom.
0: One of America's most intelligent minds was George Washington Carver. He was an African-American agricultural scientist and inventor. He made things from plastic to peanut butter, from peanuts, and other organic products such as sweet potatoes.
4: We will now talk about the cultural aspects that came from Harlem and what they did. The music in Harlem was amazing and there would always be positive energy flooding the streets. Musicians from far and wide came to dozens of nearby theaters, clubs, dance and dance halls to eventually make a new form of music called jazz. Harlem was also a spot for some of America's first few important recording stars. Harlem was a booming place that was always active.
6: There were many people in Harlem, just a small place in Manhattan, New York, where lots of young, ambitious Black artists would go to create music, literature, and art. Many Black creators would go there to escape discrimination and overcrowding.
3: Lots of people became famous in Harlem, like musicians, actors, and more. People playing pianos, trumpets, and saxophones made a big here. Louis Armstrong even performed in Harlem many times. Lots of singers and recording stars performed here, too. With all the clubs and theaters, there was always a tongue going on. Many songs and dances flooded through all of Harlem. Now we can talk about some of
0: the rights that African Americans struggled to get over the years. There were lots of leaders in Harlem making statements for civil rights. They still lacked fundamental rights at the time and felt discrimination even in their own neighborhood. During the Harlem Renaissance, poets and novelists spoke boldly about their religion and their liberties.
4: You may be thinking, what is the Harlem Renaissance? Well, it was a time when African Americans would celebrate their cultural revival with music, dance, art, fashion, literature, theater, and politics. This era was around the 1920s and the 1930s. The Harlem Renaissance made its way around the world, and people everywhere were talking about it. Harlem was described as a mythical place.
3: This was only a glimpse of Black history and how culturally rich it is. As citizens of the US, we should know that Black history is a part of all American history and treat it with just as much respect as any other aspect.
6: I'm Lindsay, and today I will be discussing the Lunar New Year with Renita, Adeline, Taryn, and Jada. The Lunar New Year this year is celebrated on February 1st, although the date seems to change every year because the festival follows the lunar calendar, not the solar calendar, which is what we follow. The lunar calendar follows the moon cycle, while the solar calendar follows the sun. The Lunar New Year is celebrated by many Asian countries and is celebrated in many different ways.
3: To celebrate, many families have different traditions and activities. You can decorate your home with red and gold, and red represents good luck. The Lunar New Year is also time to see family and friends. Together, you can try festive foods and delicacies that bring good luck. Commonly eaten foods are sticky rice, dumplings, rice dishes, noodles, and fish. The foods can be eaten in a sweet or savory style. A
4: tradition in China is for relatives to gift each other with hong, bao, or red envelopes. These are envelopes with golden designs on them filled with cash. While feasting on homemade dumplings, children search for a lucky coin folded into the dumpling. Cleaning your home before the festival is also a tradition that can offer a fresh start to the new year.
5: According to the Travel and Leisure article, How Lunar New Year is Celebrated Around Asia by Anna Kim, the Lunar New Year is one of the most important traditional holidays in Korea. Delicious dishes are served like mandu, Korean dumplings, karguksu, glass noodles, rice cakes of various flavors, and rice cake soup, often served with seaweed and kimchi. On the Lunar New Year, family members gather to eat and pay tributes to their elders and ancestors. They do this by doing sebe. An action when you bow on your knees in front of your elders, receiving money and envelopes after you're done.
0: In the Philippines, families reunite over a midnight meal to celebrate the lunar new year. Sticky rice dishes are eaten to tie families together, while noodles are eaten too to symbolize a long and healthy life. Superstition in the Philippines is to wear polka dots. The dots represent money and good fortune.
6: What are some ways you or your family celebrate the Lunar New Year?
0: I don't say I don't celebrate Lunar New Year, but in my In my culture, the Bengali New Year is April 21st, and it's basically like a fresh start. You gather and eat food, you wear new clothes, you say prayers, um, and
5: yeah. Well, what my family does is basically we do the Americanized version of the thing on Korea. Well, my family cleans up the house and we eat stuff like rice cakes and maybe Korean snacks from the korean store, and basically
6: that's it that's cool and like for my family we do kind of similar because we don't do all the celebrations because we're in america but my aunt and uncle will visit us sometimes for the lunar new year weekend and together we'll like we'll watch this program that they have called chun Waan, which is like a big event in china and we'll just watch the replay in our living room together
3: I don't celebrate the Lunar New Year, but it's very interesting, and
6: I like learning more about it. The Lunar New Year is celebrated based on the Chinese zodiac. So there are 12 animals. The order is the rat, ox, tiger, rabbit, dragon, snake, horse, sheep, monkey, rooster, dog, and finally the pig. Every year is a different zodiac sign, so it would repeat every 12 years. This year is going to be the year of the tiger. The reason
3: they're in this order is because of many myths, but a famous one is an emperor calling every animal to race, the rat finishing first, and the pig last.
4: According to the myth, there was a river in a part of the race that they had to cross to win. The rat wasn't a good swimmer, but it was smart, so the rat hopped on the ox's back to get across, and it was the first of the 12 animals to win the race. The ox, tiger, and rabbit followed. Next came the dragon. Everyone thought that it would win because it could fly, but the emperor had asked
5: it to stop and help some villagers. The horse was very close to the finish line, but the snake slithered past it and scared the horse, so the snake got sixth and the horse seventh. The monkey, rooster, and sheep worked together to get across on a raft, unlike most of the animals. The dog finished eleventh. Even though it was a great swimmer, it stopped to take a bath, falling behind. The pig finished last because it had stopped to eat and take a nap which is why pigs are often associated with being lazy. This is how the lunar calendar follows the Chinese zodiac, the results of this race.
0: There are so many ways to participate in the Lunar New Year. These are
5: just a few examples of what different cultures do to celebrate. Thanks for listening to this very, very special episode of the Selvage Podcast. Today, we covered Black history and some important figures in the Black community and history in general. Black History Month is celebrated in the month of February, but we podcasters agreed it should be celebrated all year long. We also talked about the ways different cultures celebrate the Lunar New Year. Thank you to Renita Vakjipowala, Taryn Greeno, Lindsay Wong, Gina Manning, Adeline Livanos, Mr. Mohan, and the rest of the podcasters for contributing to this episode. See you guys next time! Solid Podcasters out!
1: Join us in the weeks to come as we learn and grow together.